Hey everyone, Josh Taylor here from CE Podcast. Hope all is well. Thank you once again for tuning in. So today we are talking about something quite interesting. Uh, It's something I get a lot of comments and questions about. It's about situations where your dog is not great in the car. So maybe uncomfortable um, or maybe even throws up or just really scared um, to even go into the car. Um, And, you know, there's so many facets to this, though, that we could talk about. Um, But I want to talk about some of the main ones, okay? We fall into a trap, and a trap that we fall into is where um, because our dog is not great in cars, we typically will make sure that we are... um, uh, only putting our dog in the car when we have to. And think about that for a second. What does that mean? Well, it means that I'm probably putting my dog in the car when we have to go to the vet. Even though I want the vet to be positive, that's probably not going to be positive, especially because the dog is scared of the car for whatever the reason is. Because there's so many, again, so many facets to this. So then it's the groomer then it's maybe even the dog trainer. Um, And so you're putting the dog in the car only when necessary, which is, you know, causing an effect of possibly negative outcomes. And also, um, there's just not enough practice happening. So here are some really good tips to try to get out of this trap that you feel, you know, kind of uh, attached to here. If you have a dog where when you go towards your car, your dog is already freaking out, like we haven't even gotten inside the car yet. If that's you, don't worry. We've done it a million times before. It can get better. All right. What we need to start doing is every day I want you to motion towards the car. You could be petting them or playing with their favorite toy around the car. You could be dropping treats. You could be um, opening the front door. Um, I'm not expecting them to go into the car, but just hovering and being around the car. This will inevitably desensitize the dog and help you um, get to the next point, which is actually getting inside the car, right? So I want you to try to work on, okay, how do I make the car more positive? That's regardless, not even moving. I'm just talking about making it a fun experience. Now, if we have the type of dog where they are fantastic, they'll jump right into the car. But then the moment that that car is moving, maybe motion sickness, or lots of drooling, or clear, just clear distress, um, you can 100% start doing small little intervals in the car. So something like that would be um, going ahead and just sitting in the car for maybe two minutes. Reward, uh, you know, talk to your dog. Remember, the more you talk to your dog, the more you're releasing those oxytocins, those hug hormones. It is so important, okay, that we are constantly talking to our dogs, especially when they're in a state of 
fear or nervous or uh, whatever the case is, okay? It is quite, uh, um, what should I, how can I say this? It is quite a myth, I should say, when it comes to don't reward your dog for being fearful. Like, don't cons console them, don't pet them. You cannot reward fear like this. I think this is something that is super basic and psychological, okay? And it, it's, it's quite simple. Um, I can give you 101 examples. Uh, you know, children learn very close to the same way. Um, if I'm at a circus and with my son, okay, and my daughter, and let's say my daughter is afraid of the clowns, all right? And so she's, you know, confiding in me. She's like, you know, putting her head, like, you know, against me. And, and she's like, you know, I'm scared or I'm nervous. I wouldn't be throwing her over to the clown, being like, grow up, like you're fine, right? Um, in the senses of, I'm going to do this because I don't want to reward the fear, which would be what? Me saying... Fallon, it's okay. Like, don't worry about it. Look, it's just a clown. The clown is friendly. It, you know, consoling, holding her, letting her know that she is safe and yet nothing is going to happen and that it is an actual safe thing of what's happening. Okay? This is very similar to a dog. A dog is, you know, you're building that relationship. Uh, so it is so important that you and your dog have this trust, this, this bondmanship. Um, and so this is why uh, it, we know for a fact that it, it can't, you can't reward fear. You can't make something worse, okay? Actions are a different story, like maybe barking at someone um, or barking at the clown. Um, so, for example, if my daughter was trying to beat up the clown she was so scared that she was making a fist and she was trying to hit the clown or she was throwing something at the clown well that wouldn't be okay right so this is where i would be telling her no that's not okay we don't do that you don't have to worry it's just a clown etc etc right this is honestly the same form of of technique I guess, that you could be applying to your dog, okay? Uh, anyone who doesn't know, of course, we are science-based. Everything we do is positive reinforcement. That doesn't mean that we don't say no. It just means that we are much more sensitive in the senses of what we're doing with our dog. And... I would say that having my own kids has made me realize just how similar it really can be. Um, and so hence, this is why I do not, or I should say I have not used any form of balance training uh, or alpha roll or any type of those techniques for quite some years now. Um, but yes, I used to use shot collars, prongs. I used to actually tell people, I remember this too, I used to tell people, no, 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 don't console your dog. 
uh, you know, let's say, I don't know, we're in front of an elevator and the dog is terrified of elevators and the client's like, oh, but we have to get by the elevator. This is like where we live. And so I'll say, well, don't console him. Don't tell him it's okay. Don't, don't pet him. Don't do that. You're going to increase the fear. You're going to make it worse. <laughs> okay. This is actually false. This does not happen. This is, this is just, uh, I was very uneducated, I guess you could say. Um, when it came to that type of scenario or those type of scenarios. And it's actually a very common thing that we, we believe that or we think that. And to me, that's just, you know, where we're not doing enough research. Um, we, need to, we need to do better. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so it's so important that we are consoling our dogs, letting them know everything is going to be okay, and then continuously trying to push through that barrier. Progressive desensitization is the most important process of all of this. The more you go into the thick of it, the better the behavior will come over time, as long as you're not flooding, of course. So don't be shy to bring your dog into the car every day, even if you don't drive anywhere. If we're past that level, try maybe even feeding the dog in the car. Okay, maybe, you know, if it's at least sanitary, like just kibble or something, bring the bowl in the car. Um, or don't use a bowl at all. Just have the food in a pouch and every time you see a calm dog, try to go ahead and reward your dog for being calm, right? Treats are about rewarding the good behaviors, not manipulating them into the good behaviors, right? We want to let them know that, hey, this is great. This is what I want. And remember, love language, they, it doesn't always have to be food. It could also be a toy. It could also be playtime. It could be a nice walk. These are what, what, what I call life rewards. So you want to go from a place of we're training, we're learning, good job, whether that's cookie, whether that's affection, to life rewards, which is, you know, we go in the car, you're a good dog, we get to go to the park. Um, we're inside the house, you're calm and relaxed, this is a great time to go for a walk. We want the dog to learn that walking is a joy and a reward. Remember, just a walk is probably one of the most incredible things a dog can have. Okay, so don't underestimate the value that your walks bring to the table. Okay, if your dog is being a brat, I'm not going to take you for a walk. If I'm trying to get ready to go for a walk and my dog is being a, a little jerk about that, well... I'm not going to really want to go for that walk. Also, I'm going to be associating that, you know, when you pull or jump or bite me, then I get up and we go for a walk, right? Those are actions. So those actions have consequences and the consequences either positive or negative. So if they bite you and you get up and you're like, oh, he must go, he must have to go outside. And so we go outside for a walk. What does the dog learn? The dog learns that the behavior of biting you the action of biting you or nipping you, the consequence is positive to him or her because now I get to go outside. So you want to make sure that you're controlling these outcomes as best as you can, of course. It's just like my kids, right? If my kids scream and stomp their foot and I'm like, okay, fine, fine, here's the iPad. What am I teaching them? 
I'm teaching them that those actions, the behavior that you just exhibited, the consequence is positive for you because you get the iPad. The behavior might not be positive for me, but I still gave them what they wanted, right? So you really want to make sure that when you're doing these car rides as well, that you're trying to keep everything as positive as can be. So you want to keep these things in mind. Let's make sure that we are putting our dog in the car frequently. Either we're starting with just making the car associated positively, or we're making the drive associated positively. No matter what, the most important part of all of this, well, it's all important, but a big piece is to make sure that we are actually um, adding in small intervals while you do this. I, I would be doing like five minutes, five minutes, uh, six minutes, very small, um, very consistent, okay? So if you can do five minutes a day, you will see some progress at the end of the week. Um, it might not be huge, but you'll see something, okay? And so remember, measuring success isn't always about like my dog still throws up in the car or my dog is still terrified, but maybe it's, you know, he's, he's a little bit better to get in the car or maybe uh, he's, he, he doesn't whine as long or um, he's starting to eat the food near the car or around the car or in the car or, um, you know, it's all little things like that, okay? So let's try to see where we can go with that, all right? And I have a great announcement. I have a good friend of mine, um, Dan, who's going to be on the podcast uh, next week. And we're just going to talk about dog stuff. Uh, he's been, uh, he was a client of mine, uh, a big, big dog person. So yeah, Dan's going to be on uh, the podcast with me next week. And uh, like I said, he's my best friend. Uh, we've been friends for years now. Um, when times were rough, when times were high, uh, we were always kind of there for each other. So uh, I want to have him on here and, you know, he has a, just the way he talks about dogs and his, his passion, you know, even though, um, he was really just a client of mine, you know, so he's not into dog training, so to speak, but, um, it's definitely a huge passion of his. So, um, happy to have him on. Can't wait to, uh, to, to do it next week. So once again, everyone, thank you so much. And to our premium listeners, please, if there's anything specific that you would love for me to get into, even if it's a problem with your own dog, um, shoot us a message at cepodcast at canineeducation.ca, and I will make sure to uh, um, talk about the situation or what's going on in the next podcast. All right. Thanks a lot. Have a good one.